other's gang. Two sisters, both curious and strange. I'm like a duo and they witty from the brain. It's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay. What's up, boys and babes? Welcome to the magic hour. I'm Mercedes Terrell, and with me, my majestic partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hey, Jade. Hey, Mercedes and Magic Mob. I'm so stoked for this episode because we're going to have on a channeler named Paul Selig. I've been anticipating this day since we booked him. Paul's new book is available for pre-order, and anyone who pre-orders and fills out the simple form at the link on our Instagram page will get the first chapter delivered immediately, and will also be given access to a free live stream teaching and Q&A with Paul on publication day, which is November 6th. So, Mercedes, I know neither of us have been channeled before, but what are your thoughts on that gift and or power? Well... What I've witnessed is that the more I learn, the more I realize there's so much else I don't know. And so on and on, my exploratory journey of my unknown continues. Mm -hmm. And um, as a matter of fact, I can pretty much pinpoint when my expedition into the gray area started. So if you can picture this, there I am, my, I don't know, probably seventh grade self, laying in bed on a school night and I began contemplating death of all things. Contemplating my death, the death of my parents. Um, just, I was thinking about the fact that everyone dies and I remember all this really vividly because I think it was a definitely a pivotal point in my life. Mm-hmm. So then I began asking myself existential questions like, you know, what am I here for, et cetera. And for some reason, what I had known of religion thus far didn't seem to be a solid enough answer for me in the moment. So I kind of just laid there struggling with these ideas and questions. And I, I vividly remember it was very emotional for me. I was crying. And my atheist father came into my room to say goodnight to me. I was actually relieved when he came in because if you know my dad, you know he has an answer for basically everything. I call him like a human encyclopedia. (laughs) So he came to my bedside and he saw that I was crying and I asked him the questions I had been struggling with. You know, what, what is our purpose? Why are we here? What does it all mean? And I remember him saying the scariest words he could have ever possibly said to me he said sweetheart I don't know Hmm. and those three words like I don't know I think this is the very first time my dad broke my heart though I didn't realize it at the time I know he was he was of course he was just being honest with me and to his credit I'm now glad he was but at the time it was pretty devastating because there I was with no sufficient answer Um, I had no tools to work through this type of trauma. And so after crying myself to sleep that night and also missing the next full week of school because I was so emotionally distraught over this whole thing. Wow. Yeah. I was, I was pretty worked up. Um, I just remember crying uncontrollably for days and being so sad. Like I, I, at some point I finally decided that I needed to do something to get me past this because 
if I stayed stuck here, life was not going to be much fun. Um, I broke it down to two choices. I knew I could subscribe to a religion and allow its theories to support me, or I could create my own answer. And so what I came up with was we must maintain the survival of our species. I think the reason I felt that this was important was because I thought that if we can focus our survival as an intelligent species, we will, over time, continue to get closer to answering all of these existential questions that were daunting me. So uh, this is, you know, obviously through my seventh grade mind, this is what Mm -hmm. was going through my head. And because through that experience, my dad impressed on me that knowing the answer to everything isn't always an option. Um, I've gone the rest of my life, for the most part, trying to be open to hearing out everyone who believes they have the answers um, and continuing to seek my own answers out from between the lines. And I think today's guest, Paul Selig, has... I think he certainly has some serious wisdom to pass on. His words are very much in line with what I feel the direction I'm choosing to take my life is. Uh, Moreover, because as I've repeatedly said on this podcast, I really want this place to be a platform for people to express their truth openly and perhaps parallel to that. I want our listeners to be able to experience our conversation on controversial topics with openness Um, You know, this is all part of that whole liquid truth thing we often refer to. Um, There are so many unknowns out there and our fearful human brains get overwhelmed by this this whole lack of control thing. I know mine certainly Mm -hmm. does. We then often make the easy choice of deciding on an answer in order to soothe ourselves or provide us with some sort of relief from the fear of the unknown. Mm Um. And so, like I was stating, our goal in this podcast is to inspire listeners to let go of that sense of control, yeah. even even if it's just for the hour or so you sit and witness one of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my current belief that the world needs to have a less rigid, more open conversation. I think that's really yes. what the world needs. We mm-hmm. all need to be able to express ourselves freely without being judged or shamed. Mm-hmm. And if we can decide to begin living and listening from a place of acceptance and openness instead of blatantly denying anyone's truth but our own, we could probably solve a lot of the problems we as a species are going through today. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So getting to interview someone like Paul Selig is really, it's a perfect illustration of how open we intend to be with this show, Jade. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that said... I hope you listeners will set aside any predilections you might hold regarding the abilities today's guest claims to have access to and instead absorb whatever you find of value from our interview with him. Because I think that's the bottom line here is whatever you do or don't believe out there, you know, religion wise, um, spiritual guides coming, you know, channeling through a, a audio voyant medium like Paul Selig just after you hear the information, ask yourself what holds true in you. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you mm-hmm. feel like is is um, 
truthful. What's your yeah liquid truth and all that? Yeah, I'm on the same page with all that. Um, for me, I've always believed in a higher power and in the spiritual realm. However, when it came to channels or someone who reads energies or auras, which I can now do as well, I always knew it was possible and legit, but I thought that it was a darker world that you mm-hmm. didn't want to mess with or open yourself up to, that mm-hmm. it was like dangerous. And that's just what I was taught growing up you know, in church. Yeah. So part of me thinks that maybe the church didn't want me being able to use these tools to channel my higher self and feel this close to God in a way that would cause me to question some of their teachings. And I'm not saying this was their intention, but just their conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some churches want to get you here as well. Some want to act like they hold all that benefit themselves. You can't throw all churches in one category, of course. And I adore the church that I currently attend, and it's nothing like the one that I grew up in. But yeah, I know that when I was um, deep in the church uh, as a kid and teenager, I saw some crazy spiritual activity and some exorcism type stuff. Mm -hmm. And now that I hold my church more in my own home and in nature, I still experience spiritual spiritual activity Mm -hmm. and transcendent in all moments. Um, It's it's all very real. And I think we were all born with that ability. um, You know, to experience that stuff, we just discredit it and therefore turn it off or or we lean into it and grow it as we get older. Um, so I have a quick example. Um, I remember when I was around three or four, I was sitting on the potty in the bathroom <laughs> and uh, I was just, I remember this older woman being in there with me and I was just talking to her. Like I didn't feel any fear, um, didn't think of her as a spirit or an entity. I just talked to her because she was in my bathroom and she seemed loving and we were just talking and. I remember my mom yelling from the uh, dining room, who are you talking to? And the woman had told me that she was my mom's grandmother. So I said, it's your grandma. And oh my God. (laughs) And so anyhow, my mom runs in the bathroom and she was like, who who are you talking to? And I said, it it was your grandma. She wanted me to tell you, because this is what the woman told me. Mm -hmm. I said, she wanted me to tell you that she loves you very much and that she wishes she was here to make you flour tortillas. And wow. I I was only three or four. I had no idea because my mom, I was a toddler. My mom didn't talk to me about this, but that my mom's grandmother had died the previous day. And my mom had been really sad because she said that she didn't really know if her grandmother even loved her because she was such a hard woman. Oh. She had grown up, you know, in Mexico with like dirt floors and uh, like it was just dirt. Her floor was dirt. You know, they they grew up very poor and she was just a hard woman because that's the way that she had to be to survive. And so she wasn't that soft, loving Mm. grandmother that some of us have. And so my mom was really sad after the death and felt like they didn't have that bonding she wished she had. And so when I told my mom that she, um, you know, she completely validated me. She didn't say, oh, you're just imagining that. Or, um, no, she wasn't really there because she believed it because she was like, how, how would she have known? And my, I guess her grandmother, I had never met her in real life, but I guess her grandmother made like the best flour tortillas ever. And my mom was also sad that she like didn't get the recipe. But so like that, both of those messages there made my mom like believe completely that what I had seen had been seen. So I felt validated there. And, um, but had my mother been like, no, you're just imagining it, then I would have started to doubt that ability Mm -hmm. and I would Mm -hmm. have discredited it and turned it off as I grew older. And, you know, a lot of times, because kids can see energy that's, we're born with that ability. A lot of times, you know, 
a mom or dad can come in and they see that like fuming, you know, they see that angry energy or that upset energy and a kid can say, mom, what's wrong? And if the mom's like, oh, nothing, I'm fine. Then the kid starts again to discredit that ability. But if a mom is open and honest and like, oh, I'm just having a bad day. I just need to take a deep breath. Then they are able to grow in that. Um, I think because, uh, you know, because of all those lessons, I, I try with my kids, um, when they say like, oh, I keep seeing this purple light or there was this man in my room, instead of like telling them, don't worry, it's just your imagination. I'll say, well, what do you think that means? Or how did that make you feel? Um, and, and like allowing them to kind of grow that in themselves on a safe level. Um, as well as being honest with my feelings when they ask about them. Um, and your kids see a lot of things too. Yeah. My son does. Um, yeah, my son does. And I do as well. So I feel like I'm able to recognize that in him. Um, so, and I've learned through Boulder Psychic Institute how to ex- access these gifts in a way that works best for me and my spiritual growth, because there were times prior that that ability owned me mm-hmm. instead of me owning it. So yeah, I do believe in this stuff. And I think if used correctly, it can really raise your frequency and vibration and truly raise you into that higher consciousness. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, there's so much of our brain we're not using, man. There's got to be some mm-hmm. some nuggets in there somewhere. <laughs> But that's interesting stuff. I can't wait to hear more, you know, as you go through this, the classes with BPI. Yeah. To see yeah. what comes from it. You'll be reading my mind eventually. <laughs> Maybe you already are. Um, all right. Well, then there's nothing left to do but introduce our guest today. Yeah. I can't wait. Yes. So let's get to it. He is an author of multiple books of channel texts on the evolution of consciousness. He has a master's degree from Yale. He is the subject of the short documentary film Paul and the Word, featured on the A&E biography channel series The Unexplained, and was the subject of an episode of ABC's Nightline. Also a noted playwright and educator, a true audiovoyant soul that is aligned with truth, Paul Selig, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, Paul. Hi. Nice to nice to be Hi, here Paul. with you both. So glad yeah, you're here. We're excited. So, Paul, for the listeners out there who aren't familiar with you yet, could you do us a favor and give us your, your background, how you became a channeler, how that all mm. came to be? Sure. You know, I I was raised something of an atheist in New York City, and I was raised to believe that sort of other people had, you know, spiritual lives. I didn't even know what a spiritual life was or that one could have one or one might want one. But when I was about 25, I had a list of things that I had to have achieved in the world that I thought would make me okay. And I got the whole list, and it was a really sort of fancy list. And then I wasn't okay, and I think really more out of sheer necessity than a desire to be spiritual, I started to to look for something more. And I had an experience shortly thereafter. There was this thing happening called the harmonic convergence. I was, you know, 25, and I went up to the roof of my building. I heard people were going to be waking up, and I thought, well, if there is like a God or something you might call God, and you... 
you asked to be woken up, why would it say no? I mean, it didn't make any sense that you would get a no. So I just went up and something actually did happen. And I still don't know if I wasn't just hyperventilating, but it was an experience of energy moving through my body and not through the top of my head. Um, and after that, I started seeing little lights around people. And then I studied a form of energy healing eventually to get a context for that. And I found out when I had my hands on people, I started to hear things for them. So I opened up as a clairaudience and um, I started to feel what was going on in other people's bodies. And then I was opening up as a clairsentient. And now I mostly hear and feel. Um, but I began to do a group in my apartment um, that met for about 18 years where I would just sit in the energy and listen to what would come through. And the channeling began there. So it was unexpected and unasked for. I had to get past the fact that I didn't know if I even really believed in channeling, but I was doing it suddenly. And, um, you know, and I was doing it very quietly because I was teaching at NYU for many, many years. And I was doing this sort of under the radar. So I actually had a website without my name on it or my photograph. I didn't want people to really know what I was doing. And then in about 2008 or 2009, the guides that I worked with started to dictate books through me. So they've dictated now six. The sixth one's wow. coming into print. There's a seventh one that was just completed. And all of these books are the unedited transcripts of these channelings. So there's, there's no going back and fixing it. And there's really no writing involved. Um, so that's been the process. It's been a, a strange one, granted, and yeah. a, a challenging one. But it's what I do now. That's amazing. How, um, how have the guides' teachings changed throughout the books? Oh, wow. Well, it's funny because, you know, the very first book that they dictated, which was called I Am the Word, mm -hmm. um, A Guide to the Consciousness of Man's Self in a Transitioning Time was the subtitle, and that just left me scratching my head. But really, it was the beginning of a primer on how humanity embodies the true self. And had I really understood that that's where they were going with it, I don't know if I would have shown up for it <laughs> because it was very, it's very challenging for me. But they brought through sequentially a teaching that sort of takes the reader through a process of, of realization, of coming to truly know who you are in a higher way, and also having an experience of it, which is very important. So the books themselves, the guides say, are you know, they're energetic transfers that work directly with the reader. So there's the words on the page, which is the language they use that has been transcribed, that offers an intellectual understanding of the teaching. But they say the real book is happening in the ethers and in an encounter with you and wow. your energy field. So that's why people are reading these books and they're having all these sort of freaky experiences yeah. with energy. Um, so the teachings continue to progress as we're open to receive them. And I found that people can sort of enter into the series at any point because the guides say they teach in a one-room schoolhouse. So everybody's there and they're going to meet everybody where they are, you know. Um, but that's how they, they're, 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 they are evolving because they're continuing. They're not done yet from what I understand. Is there a certain order that you feel the books need to be read? Or do they need to be read in order they were written? I think it helps for many people to go to I Am The Word first because it seems to hold yeah. the DNA of all the teachings, you know, the like, like the ideas are in there. It is foundational. The Mastery Trilogy, which began with book four, 
I know a lot of people are sort of starting there because the Mastery Trilogy is its own teaching. The first three books, I think, were about sort of getting us to the place where we actually feel worthy of what we can claim in a different way than we've been taught. And so the Mastery Trilogy is a way in as well because they're going to mm-hmm. catch you up big time before they take you on that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's not a, a bad idea to start with the first one, but people yeah. start where they're called to, which right. is fine. Yeah. Um, so you teach that man cannot be outside of God because God is in everything. God yeah. is the frequency of every cell of your being. You are mm-hmm. an aspect of the creator. Nothing else is yeah. is your word. So I'm in total agreement with this. And I'm curious, though, your thoughts on why sometimes the Christian church can refrain from power, such as channeling yeah. or psychic tools. Um, I was always taught in church that this was darkness or evil. Mm-hmm. And now that I've stepped into these gifts in myself, I have a... Mm-hmm. Um, a spirit guide and a master healer, mm-hmm. I feel less separated from God. I feel, yeah. um, you know, more connected, um, you know, and then there are those who believe in these abilities, but don't believe in God. So yeah, there's just yeah. so many thoughts on this. What are, what are yours? My thoughts, you know, I wasn't raised with religion and I was sort of outside of the fray of it anyway. I didn't think they would want me as I was. So why, yeah. you know, what was the point? So I didn't carry a whole lot of baggage into this stuff. But I do have some respect for discernment. And I think that discernment, when you get into this this world or you start sort of exploring the unknown, I think can be quite helpful. I think it's good to have a teacher. I think it's not a good idea to just sort of get drunk and play with a Ouija board because who knows what you're calling in Mm -hmm. when you're not in your body, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't experience fear around this. I really don't. Um, And I think that one of the challenges of organized religion has been that we're continually asked to give our authority over mm-hmm. to other people or to doctrine, you know. And the guides that I work with says pretty much that any system of belief that says, you know, it's my way or the highway is teaching in fear. And that anything that's teaching in fear is claiming fear and is an agreement to that level of vibration. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the guides say that I work with say again and again and again, you know, the action of fear is to claim more fear. And they say, look at the last choice you made because you were scared or because you were afraid and see what it got you. You'll probably find out that maybe you got more of the same. Mm-hmm. So I think there's great beauty in all religions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the structure that's been built up around the original teachings are often not the best thing. You know, right. they mm-hmm. can be corrupt, they can be faulty, they can be driven by personality. So, you know, the the funny thing, they're saying I can say this, you know, the guides that I work with say that they've been around a whole long time and the stuff that they're teaching isn't new. And in a lot of ways, what I've understand that their teaching is really perhaps at the origins of of what have been some of the religions, the claiming Mm -hmm. the inherent divinity that is in all things. And that really does begin with you. If you want to exclude yourself from God or whatever you want to call God, immediately you've excluded everything else in that moment. Mm You know, so it's like God is everything or it's nothing. That's an old 12 step phrase. And I think that's a true one. So to your your last point, do you believe that we all were in touch at some point 
you know, in the in maybe long ago in, in a distant past or in a parallel universe or whatever the case may be, um, in touch with our inner beings, our soul, our truth more than, you know, we are now. We had a better I think, time. Well, I think there's an aspect of you that still is. Mm-hmm. And that's what the guides are working to call forth. That aspect of you that already knows who she is, that mm-hmm. doesn't need it verified by you know, a church or a culture or whatever the flavor of the week happens to be that we're told to aspire to be like. All of those things are really, you know, temporary. So Mm -hmm. the guides say that the true self that is you is always you, that aspect of the divine that's come as you Mm -hmm. and is seeking to express as and through you is who you've always been. This is the way that we are learning here in a body and having all these experiences. And the soul, I believe, is here to learn and to progress. The divine self or the truth of who and what you are is that seed of the divine or Mm -hmm. God or whatever you want to call it that's seeking to express as and through you and seeking to embody. Mm -hmm. And that's realization, which is what the guides are teaching. And I suspect it's why, you know, these books aren't really like self-help books. They're more about how one realizes the self beyond who one has thought they were. I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. Thank you. Um, I was going to bring up that we we end every one of our shows with the phrase, mm. be a light. And uh, you often say you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. So I thought yeah. maybe you could share some thoughts on that. Well, it's a, you know, you, you are the light, remembering that you are the light, remembering for me that I'm the light when I'm in a terrible mood is a challenge, you know, or when the world I see around me isn't reflecting what I want the world to be. But the guides say, as you said, you cannot be the light and hold another in darkness. Mm-hmm. It's the height of hypocrisy. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's where you get into sort of clannishness and separation. The guides say that the belief that we're separate from other people has gotten to the, the degree that we also believe ourselves to be separate from our source. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if I'm able to recognize the divine in someone else, Um, including the person I never want to see again as long as I live, I'm actually sort of moving up in my awareness. It's a simple teaching if you think about it. They say, you know, what you damn damns you back. Mm -hmm. You know, so what you curse curses you. What you bless blesses you back. And I think that's, there's simple truths that are are easy to work with. Yeah. So Aubrey mentioned uh, with you two things that I really loved. It was, Sing people's song until they remember the words and don't judge people for who they are, but judge them for who they could be and you will help them become who they should be. And I, I love both of those. And I'm, while I'm so thankful people had not given up on me and my tough Mm -hmm. upbringing, Mm -hmm. I'm also curious, how do we know with everything we just discussed when we are enabling or allowing codependency or just not challenging someone to step out of their addiction, whether it's substance or to a self deprecating mindset mm-hmm. um you know where's the line there well the quotes I, I don't recall the second quote actually i don't recall that you, oh. which is it's, which is fine it could be the mm-hmm. guides i mean i don't remember half of what comes out of my mouth yeah. when I'm, I'm channeling <laughs> i'm so busy taking the dictation mm-hmm. um but i guess the question is how do you know when to what when you're enabling somebody yeah or, like yeah uh where's the line between i guess Believing in someone and their ability, sure, and 
enabling, yeah, and mm, and not yeah. challenging them to step out of that. Well, listen, if I if I have a friend who's harming himself or herself, part of my duty as the friend might be to say, hey, what the hell are you doing? Mm. And if I have a friend who I think is harming him or herself with substances, I may be called to say, hey, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I went through all that stuff when I was younger. That's how mm-hmm. I got through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my ending, really, and I, you know, sometimes I tell this story, you know, I was 25, I was a year out of Yale, I wanted to be in the inter- in interview magazine in the newcomer section, which was like the hot thing to be for my generation, yeah. that means you were like one of the, the it people <laughs> of your of the month, and I got that, and my life was falling apart, and I was a playwright, mm-hmm. and I was being produced in two countries already at 25, it was crazy, so mm-hmm. I was in this motel room, in St. Paul, Minnesota, it was the Gopher Campus Motor Lodge, you know, with a giant gopher on a spit <laughs> out the window. And I was bottoming out in this hotel room, you know. Mm. And it took me that to go, maybe there's something more. So I went through what I needed to go through. Yeah. And, you know, but the good news is, I suspect that I wasn't being enabled at that point. And, um, mm. To realize the divine in another person is not to to say that the personality is wonderful or the the addiction is a positive thing. You're actually claiming them beyond those things. Mm. But you know what? I mean, if somebody's bleeding, bandage up the wound, give them a tourniquet, take them to the hospital. You know, be practical in this regard. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask my guides if they want to say anything about enabling because and when I should say you know when I channel I whisper the words and repeat them and it's it's mm-hmm. a little odd to listen to the yeah, it's interesting they're saying the idea is interesting but what she's actually asking but what she's actually asking is how do I care for somebody is how do I care for somebody be on my path and be on my path hold my integrity hold my integrity know the divine know the divine and not support them with one and not support them and what they want what they may want is to die what they may want is to die what they may require is love, what they may require is love, and to tell somebody no, and to tell somebody no is an act of love, is an act of love, when that is what is required, when that is what is required, so somebody should be, to decide who somebody should be, he should be who I want him to be, he should be who I want him to be, my father should be who I want him to be, my father should be who I want him to be, will not get you anywhere, will not get you anywhere, to realize the divine in your father, to realize the divine in your father, to claim the truth of your own, to claim the truth of your friend is to support them in their own awareness, is to support them in their own awareness. You're not fixing people with this work. You are not fixing people with this work. You are claiming who they've always been. You are claiming who they have always been in a higher level, in a higher level. That is a great gift. And they're saying, and that's a great gift. That's beautiful. That's perfect. Thank you. What would you say holds people back the most from knowing who they are, knowing what they are, and knowing how they serve? Worth. Finally, I think that worth, I think that's my stuff too, you know, or the idea that the small self, the personality self is who is the divine self, which is another crock that we get into, which Mm -hmm. is when we sort of try to, to say, well, look at how spiritual I am, which was, you know, you know, you're everything, you know, or or I'm spiritual in my personal life, but not in my work because my work is really Mm -hmm. competitive. Your life is your life and your spiritual life is your life and how you express it. But I think finally the idea of worth, that we might be worthy of more, is a huge step for most of us to take. 
You know, we're brought up to believe that we're not. We're brought up to believe that we're as good as we look or how much money we have in the bank or what people say about us. And then we predicate our sense of worth and well-being on things that are, are finally transitional. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being happy and realized in, in the material world. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. But if we think that we are those things and our sense of well-being is dependent upon them, we've created a really limited experience. And we're probably yeah. going to be looking outside of ourselves all the time yeah. to get those needs met. Mm-hmm. So knowing that we're worthy, I think, is the key. The guides have said, you know, you know, you're always ordering off of the menu of what you think you can have. Mm. Always, you know, and your life is being chosen in accordance with that. And they also say, if you go to a restaurant with two bucks in your pocket, you're not going to order the steak. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're only worth this much, Mm -hmm. you're only going to allow yourself to claim that much. And the guides really do support us. They say, you know, you don't you don't earn this stuff. It's really your birthright, you know. Yeah. I can see the mm-hmm. sun shining right on me, so I hope that's not mm-hmm. too strange it's for not, your, yeah. your viewers. It's, okay. it's perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, that is powerful. Yeah. I was going to ask you, this is kind of off the sure. beaten path here, but um, does having this gift make you feel more alone or less alone? You know, I don't see it as a gift. I Mm. see it as this odd thing that I'm able to do, like some people can, you know, touch their tongue to their nose or cross Mm. their eyes. It's this ability that's been developed. Um, I'm... I'm an I'm an empath, and people use that word a lot. But I, you know, I mean, if if you want to know what's going on with your brother who you're not talking to, and you give me your brother's name, I can probably step into your brother. I may start to resemble him, and I can hear mm-hmm. what's going yeah, on. I'm yeah. like a switchboard. So with that comes uh, a, a malleability of energy. I feel a lot. And so you're not going to find me in a crowded club. You're not going to find me in a stadium and even a department store. I was with my assistant. We were stuck in a mall somewhere in Arizona that went on forever. It was like my idea of hell, you know, (laughs) is this just one giant store with a million people on the escalators. I couldn't wait to get out. So, you know, I'm it tends to leave me a little bit quiet in my field. Mm -hmm. And I like Mm -hmm. that. But um, and, and maybe it does make me a bit more alone, but I think it's also I'm shy. That's my personality, yeah. too. So I don't know if that has much to do with the abilities at all. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. I am. Um, I've uh, like you say, it's not really a gift, but um, I attend Boulder Psychic Institute and they've taught uh-huh. us to read energies and auras yeah. and um, readings, you know, um, yeah. and at times it. I feel that I just don't have people to share that with um, because it's almost weird t- to talk about with people yeah. if, if they're not there in that space for that. So um, so I relate to that a lot. Um, thank well, you. The, the good news is that you're doing it. And as you come forward and say, I'm doing this, you find other people. I mean, yes. some of what I do, because, you know, I'm not wearing a turban with a big jewel mm-hmm. on my forehead, you know, and I'm kind of ordinary. Um, and I come from a somewhat 
traditional background in, in some people's minds, it gives other people permission. You know, in sure. my practice, I see, you know, I have, you know, doctors and judges and everybody shows up, you yeah. know, for this stuff. And some of them come up and they say, you know, I know how to do this too, but I don't tell anybody. So the moment you start talking about it, you give mm. permission for a larger conversation to begin to that. happen. And that's a gift you give people just by doing what you're doing. That's and I guess you're... it goes back into the worth, like you're saying, because there's that question of, are people going to think I'm crazy or are people gonna think I'm lying yeah you know, so it goes into that um, it's not fun that part of it's yeah. <laughs> not fun but I don't know how much you can control that you know yeah. when I first did an interview a number of years ago and whoever did the interview put the little clips up on YouTube you know with these headlines and um, people didn't know what I did. There was no context for my work. I just looked like a lunatic, and I knew it. And I could feel the judgment. Mm-hmm, I could mm-hmm. feel it. And I said to my guides, you know, if you want me to do this, why are you letting this happen? And their response was, well, as long as you care what people think about you, it's going to be an issue, mm-hmm. which means it's my good. problem still, you That's know, and good. it's still something for me to attend to. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we're even having this conversation in a public yeah. forum is, is, I think, testament to the fact yeah. that the culture's changing. Yes. Hugely um, changing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so I uh, wanted to ask you a, a personal question. I, um, mm-hmm. I struggle with grounding and patience um, yeah. in my journey, and I also can struggle with my mother's presence at times, even though mm-hmm. I love her dearly. Mm-hmm. And my romantic relationship really needs some work on how we handle mm-hmm. conflict. Um, mm-hmm. We both are still dealing with some demons that come out there. And I'm not sure which of these that I brought up is keeping me from operating at my highest self, but I know that something is. Well, I mean, my hunch is that they're all kind of the same. You know what I mean? They're all sort of a sense of dynamic. I mean, I can step into these things with you if you'd like. I don't know. I'd love it. Yeah, thank um, you. But I'm going to need your full name if you're comfortable with yes. that first. Sure. I may need your mother's as well, and I may need your, your partner's as well. But okay. I'm going to do the mother first. So your first name, your whole name first. Jade Maria Bryce. Well, you see, you're funny because you show up like this. <laughs> So you're sort of aware. I mean, you're, it's not like you're looking for trouble, but you're aware of sort of the need to protect yourself. Mm. And you're kind of on it that way. Do you know what I mean? It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not what I thought I would get. So give me your mom's name, please. Let me see if I can get her. Sorry, right. she comes through folding her arms. And folding her arms means resolve. Best. And the energy here is, I know best. Mm. And she does it with warning. Do you understand this? Mm. So the fingers up as if to say, I know what I want. I know what I want. I'm going to get what I want. And I'm going to get what I want. Now, see how how you relate to this? You come through defending. Do you understand Mm. this? You protect yourself. Like, you know, you don't want to do it. You actually want to cover your ears. Mm. Let me just see what you need from this whole thing. Basically, you just say that you have, you need to know that you have the right to be independent from your mother's needs. And that, that feels frightening to you. Mm. I go, why? You say, because it makes me wrong, like fundamentally wrong. The idea of not being who one is supposed to be. Do you understand this? Mm. Give me the boyfriend's name, please. The partner, whoever he is. Okay, I'm going to go to you first. Jade, say your last name again. Jade Bryce. Very different with him. Mm. You actually come through much more in charge of this one. My own. Mm. The energy is holding my own. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Say his first name. His first name. Okay, I'm going to go back to him. 
He comes through pointing to himself. I mean, and the energy here is like, what about me? I matter, I matter. The energy is, I matter, I matter, I matter. Now, he's not just saying this to you. He's sort of saying this all over the place. Give me what I want. Like the idea of give me what I want. I get really big with this guy, too. You know what I mean? Like I'm a big energy. Tell me I'm going to get what I want. He comes through, and you know, it's an interesting thing because he also comes through just a little bit frightened in terms of this relationship with you. Mm. And I go, why? And the energy here feels a bit like, you know, don't you love me? Don't you love me? Don't mm. you love me? And this seems to connect to the idea of don't I get what I want from you? So I'm going to go back to you with this one. I'm handling it. See, you come through managing this one, which is interesting. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm handling it. I, don't, I know what I'm doing. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. And this is back with those fists are up. I don't have to. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the ability to take care of yourself in this way, you see, you, you put him beside you, which is good. What's funny is you actually put an arm around him, and it's usually the male that I'll see doing that to the female. As mm. a, but you sort of come through having his back. And the idea here being almost that you're like supportive and you're not really going anywhere. So chill out, so chill out mm. is the energy here that I get from you. The idea, and you know, I also hear from you, I don't have to prove myself to you anymore, anymore. I've done it. I've done it. Don't ask me to do it again. Mm. The idea of, like, don't ask me to do it again. I'm here. I'm here. Mm. It's like being with somebody, and listen, you know your life, I don't, but it's like being with somebody who's going to sort of say, you know, don't leave me. I'm not. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going anywhere. You know that. So in this instant, you come through somewhat solid. And now I'm going to ask about your development as it relates to these things and do this very quickly. Mm. The idea here is that you are independent from everybody else and that you're allowed to be. And you're really learning that. Like you're really getting that lesson. Mm. And also the idea that you're not in charge of other people. And the idea that you're not supposed to be is a little bit mind-blowing to you, you mm. know? Like, when I, when I go to that, like, your jaw drops. Like, really? Mm. <laughs> and, like, the funny thing is, like, nothing happens when you realize that. Like, you're expecting, like, the ceiling to come crashing around around you, and it, it doesn't. So mm. that's where you're heading, which is positive, okay? Mm. Wow. That's what I'm it's getting. very comforting, very comforting. Yeah. Um Everyone describes me as vulnerable, so the fist yeah, up, that's what I, I do relate to still, yeah. but I feel like it's um, maybe what I don't want people to see. I want people yeah. to feel vulnerable around me, so I lead with vulnerability, but I think yeah. I do still have my fist up. The fist up, this is protection. If you were doing that, you're fighting. This mm. is mostly self-protection. Do you understand mm. that? Yeah. And yeah. you do it close to yourself, so you're keeping yourself protected you know at this level um open and that may just be because you are open i do it yeah. you know i mean i don't do necessarily with fists but i have all these different ways because i'm so receptive just guarding of, your heart yeah yeah of guarding of, of protecting myself which which i do at a cost you know i yeah. think you you're farther along in in some ways you know because mm. you're you're coming through with an awareness of your ability to sort of handle it mm. which i think is a really big thing Paul, I do have a personal question for you as well, but sure. before that, because you you brought up um, where Jade is, is actually mm -hmm. protecting herself, do you have a practice 
because of what you do in channeling, do you have a practice that keeps you, you know, able to be vulnerable and shield when you need a shield and that type of thing? What do you do? Well, every time I work, and I, you know, and even usually before I'll do something like this, I'll usually ask spirit to put the words in my mouth. I don't think I did it in this interview, which is funny, but I do it before I read for people. And before I do a group or a session for a book or anything like that, um, I do work with the prayer protection. And it's not because I think that there are terrible things out there. What I'm really doing is affirming the presence of the divine that must be there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm aligning at that level, you know. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than trying to channel in fear of what's out there because that just brings you into alignment with what's out there at a lower level. And, you know, there's no need to do that. Okay. Do you have fears yourself? Are there things that you really consider big fears in your life? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm a student of this work. You know, I have to say this all the time. I'm not a spiritual teacher. I have no interest in being that. I'm not a guru. It's never going to happen. I'm this guy that shows up and takes dictation, you know, and seems to have some ability to, to support people in their own path. You know, I, that's what I do now, you know, um, so my fears are, are the things that I'm moving through. Every time I take another step in being public with this stuff, I'm challenged by it. Yeah. I would prefer to hide under a rock some days, <laughs> you know. But I'm not. I show up anyway. I've learned to show up anyway. And it's not always comfortable. And um, But yeah, you know, I have learned, and I will say this, I'm much better with not making choices based in fear mm-hmm. than I used to be. Um you know, the, you know, and it's because what the guides say, I found it to be true. You know, every choice you make in fear gets you more of the same, you know. And so I, if I don't do that, I'm already ahead of the game. Do you feel like when you show up to an interview or somewhere where you know people are expecting you to have something life changing to say that you have this extra pressure on you? Well, no, because I'm not the, the cha- I mean, I'm the channel. I'm not the guide. So mm-hmm. I show up. You know, I do live streams every week. I don't know. I know the title of the series. I don't know what the lecture is going to be until it's delivered. You know, and every group that I've done is like that. And I say it's always like, you know, jumping off a diving board and hoping that there's water in the pool, you know, and so far there has been. So I, I, I don't want people's expectations around this stuff. You know, then it puts me in a position of needing to please people and I'm not capable of doing that at a personal level you know the work that comes through me is the work i'm a radio if you think about it that way i'm not i'm not necessarily the song that's playing when i'm channeling right i love that yeah Mm -hmm. like the visual it gives me um Mm. okay so i'll get to my personal question if you're willing to take it see if we can all right um so I've been told by a couple different Eastern medicine practitioners now that my liver specifically is angry with my dad. And I've also had issues with my digestion for literally as long okay. as I can remember. Um, so I'm wondering if this struggle is connected to something I'm not seeing because I've definitely put a lot of work into it. Well, you know, I don't I always say I don't do medical readings and I don't I just not what I do in my work. I can mm-hmm. feel things, but because I'm, I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be. I, I do believe that the liver holds anger mm-hmm. um, and resentment. So I'm, I'll tune into you. Can I have your whole name? Mercedes Terrell. Let me Terrell. Let me see if I Terrell. can get you. You come through as if to say I'm going to be smiling no matter what. 
if it kills me. <laughs> and you're grinding your teeth as you're doing this. So there is anger. But you see, this thing is, what I suspect about this is you actually feel that the anger gives you some power. So I can use it. Like if I keep it here, I have some ammunition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, if, I, if it's going to come out, if it's going to come out, I suspect it's going to be really specific how it comes out. Like I'm not going to squander it. So let me see what this is about. Yeah, okay, I, I, I'm not going to disagree about the father. Is your father living? Yeah. Can I have his name? Let me see if I, let me see if I can get him. Well, I'm not hearing him. He comes through. He comes through looking, 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 looking. Say your first name again. Mercedes. I'm going to go from him to you. Mercedes. I got Carol. it. No, I got it. It's all right. His energy is you're going to do what I want. And with this is, a, a, I'm going to say, a sense of threat. It's stated factually. What I want. People do what I want. And you will not be different. You know the guy I don't. I'm going to go from you to him. You see, you. it's funny because you come through good and pissed but to me when I tune into this with you it feels like a way of sort of reclaiming your own authority and power mm -hmm. in this relationship you know what I mean if I'm angry I can't be messed with do you understand that yeah does that make any sense can, so let me see can Go I on. add in something say? yeah can I just add in a name and see how it feels to you maybe well give me the context for the name but sure uh, this is my um I guess you call her stepmother. Sure. Uh, she's not around anymore. She's alive, mm -hmm. but she's not um, with my dad anymore. But she was a yeah. big part of my life. Uh, Let me see if I can get her. She comes through acting ignorant. Do you understand this? Mm -hmm. As if to say, I don't know what's going on. This, I'm not going to look at this. Don't make, responsible. don't make me responsible. There's a fair amount of denial here. Do you mm -hmm. understand this? Yeah. I want to put myself in my little box and I'm going to manage my life. I put you outside of the box, just so you understand. Mm -hmm. Like you're out there and I'll deal with you kind of as I have to. But I don't look at you. You're not my focus of attention. She actually comes through controlling the father in mm -hmm. this dynamic. You know, she puts him in the box to get her needs met. Say this, yes. I'm going to say, I, I'm going to have to bleep everybody's names out of this thing if this thing ever airs. <laughs> this is my feeling. I don't want people showing up on my no doorstep. No problem. Um, but let me see. You need to understand. I just feel this woman was basically trying to get her own needs met. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? In this dynamic, you feel somewhat in the way. Definitely. And so you were you were blocked. This is this is an obstruction. I'm gonna go from you to her. You see, the thing with you, it's sad here. When I go to you to her, it's not angry, it's sad. I feel like, you know, if I had a puppy. And I didn't want the, you know, I feel like it's what happens like when you put the puppy in the room and you close the door on the puppy to keep him out. And the puppy just sort of doesn't know what he's done, mm -hmm. you know? And he doesn't understand why. I mean, you come through like how and why is this happening? Mm -hmm. That kind of energy. 
I want to suggest that this is an older relationship for you anyway. And you're learning through it still progressively. The funny thing is there's really not anger between you, which is funny. I don't feel that. Like, I feel like you kind of understood what happened and what you needed to do. But if I wanted to blame anybody in this one, I'd probably blame my father. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm making a jump here because he didn't. And this feels like it has more to do with sort of not protecting you and your own needs at 100%. that time. Okay, mm-hmm. makes sense. One hundred percent. That that's exactly what I would. Um, I'd say it, it was more of a struggle in my younger years, especially. It definitely mm-hmm. was something I grew through. Mm-hmm. N- not fully gone. You know, I haven't gone all the way through it. I think, but yeah. I, I have brought this up with my dad. We've talked extensively about it. Um, and which has helped me move through a lot of it. But I think I have recently realized I was putting so much um, blame, like you say, on my yeah. on my father for something that he was most likely doing the best he could in the situation at hand. You know, yeah. they all yeah. are. Yeah. Yep, they are. Yeah. So just realizing so, that, that, that everyone's working from, you know, the best of their abilities in that moment. And they're moment. all just trying to heal their own pain. Yeah. yeah that's been a big realization for me with my parents. Thank you for um, that, Paul. Yeah. You're welcome. So we have one joint question. Um, we are wanting to offer healing and enlightening and knowledge uh, to our listeners and to ourselves. But how do we separate our ego from the goals of this venture? Yes. I would suggest that it becomes about the work and not about your own identity Mm. or how you're seen, but the fact that you are being seen. Do you understand there's a difference there? Mm. The idea of showing up for the work because it's important, it's what you have to offer, it's what you care about, that's going to really see you through. And that's going to see you through kind of regardless of what others decide about you or about this. If you make it about that, you're going to potentially end up sort of, you know, making it about what people want. Mm. And that may not be what you're really coming for here. Mm. But your question was about how to keep the ego out of it. I'm going to ask. I actually hear you're both doing well. You both actually understand that this is an idea of who you are that's being presented publicly. You already have a sense of this, an awareness that a visual persona is a a persona and that who you really are is much deeper deeper and more more powerful than what people would decide. If you really operate from that place, you have great authority in in your lives. The, the simple, simple thing, they're saying stay in truth, stay in, truth, stay in integrity, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Do you understand that? Yeah. Mm. It's good know? to hear. I think I yeah. love that. when you speak to us knowing that the outside, you know, idea of who we are isn't necessarily who we are speaks really true to Jade and I since our, you know, background are as professional models. We definitely are acting in all of those spaces, yeah. you know, in our career. So this podcast... I think it's really the first time we have both had been able to access a platform where we can speak about, you know, speak from our truth, speak about uh-huh. our inner mm-hmm. selves. So it's that's why I think it's so exciting. It lights us both up. We're really. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I love know. that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I feel like that was kind of like a miniature plant medicine ceremony for me. <laughs> that was a lot of truth <laughs> for me. Thank you. Um, we do. So with every guest, we like to end the interview with three quick questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is, what would you tell your 25-year-old self? Don't be so frightened. Hmm. That's what I would say to him, I think. And don't be so frightened of the world. Hmm. Do you still have to tell yourself that today? Yeah, I do. But I think my 25-year-old, when I was 25 is when I started to open up. It was a real big change. Mm -hmm. I I literally forgot who I I was in some ways. It was a big transition. Mm -hmm. And it was challenging on every level. And it was practically scary. So, yes, I think I still do, but I, I have a, an awareness that I've come this yeah. far and I'm still here and I'm, I'm twice that age now, so I'm yeah. still around. <laughs> Maybe it's what broke you open. I think it did, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. true that as you, as you get to experience and practice going through the fear, coming out the other side, going through the fear, coming out the other side, you eventually gain some faith in it's going to be okay. You're going to make it to yeah. the other side of whatever this is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that comes with practice, doesn't it? So an- mm-hmm. another question um, we like to ask is, if you could have the world read one book, which would it be? Besides you know, all I, of yours, of course. Besides <laughs> all of mine. I don't have an answer for that. I really don't, you know. I I taught in a, I, I directed a master's program in creative yeah. writing, for, for many years, actually, and um, I couldn't answer it then either. I think people are called to to what's the most true. So, no answer. I have to pass on that question. That's okay. Sorry. Like yeah, what? Okay. Maybe is it a is it a better practice to you know open up your your um, iBooks or something and just kind of sift through and see what you're drawn to, cover wise, the title title wise, what. I know for me, you know, the stuff that I've needed has shown itself when I've needed it. If I'm really open to it, especially true, I think, with 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 teachings. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't recommend it. I think people are people are called in very different paths. You know, the guys that come through me are teaching one way of working. It's not the only way. God forbid it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all on different journeys. Um so, yeah, I think if you're called to something, I hear with my books, people walk into a bookstore and they fall off the shelves in front of them. I hear that kind of story wow. a lot, you know. Yeah, jump it's like, yeah, they jump at my, them. Uh, my best friend, Tom Shadyak, wrote a book called um, Life's Operating Manual. And mm-hmm. he, you and him are so much alike, everything oh, yeah. that you guys say. And I almost called you Tom a couple of times. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so he, when I asked him that question, he said, almost the same exact thing you said. And then yeah. he said, I would just say to let every morning sunset be the book that you read. And uh-huh. I thought that was, that was really beautiful. It's lovely. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so the last question, and this could be from you or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the guides, whatever you feel for the listeners, it's um, if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? I hear no love, just no love. Mm-hmm. I hear if you know love, you know everything. Because everything is in love. Once you know it, once you mm. know it, period. And they're saying, period. That was from them. You no know? love. Mm, yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Paul, before we uh, get on to the last question, uh-huh. do you, Paul, the person, 
And I don't know if I'm separating this just because that's how I'm used to doing with my ego and, you know, mm-hmm. my separate selves. Do you feel like, do you ever feel neglected because people want to speak through, you know, or want you to speak um, the guide's voices through you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm more present in my work. You know, when I first started doing workshops, I would say hello mm-hmm. on the, in the first five minutes. And then I would say thank you all two days later when the workshop ended. And that's about all you would hear from Paul, uh-huh. except it's time for a break. And now they teach and I get to come through and talk more as myself. And I make the distinction. So I don't feel like you know, a ventriloquist puppet. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like a radio, and a radio can play different broadcasts, and one of the broadcasts that I play is Paul, you know, the personality and the man that, you know, that is a bit shy and, you know, you know, wants a partner and thinks he's done with New York City and all of those <laughs> small self things that I, I know myself through. Um, but do I feel neglected? I don't feel, I'm very fortunate for some reason for the most part, people kind of get it with me, and I mm-hmm. think it's because I'm not tr- pretending to be somebody that I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. they kind of get it, you know, and I, so I don't feel bombarded by stuff. Um, I do feel, though, that my job is to show up for this work yeah. with other people, because yeah. if there's nobody to listen to the channeling, there's there's no talking that's going to happen. Yeah. I can't really just do it for myself. And there needs so to be somebody healing. there. Yeah. It's, I'm wondering so. how it comes to play in your romantic relationships. Like, <laughs> <laughs> did the channels ever come out when y'all are in conflict? <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, I've said many times when people say, you know, it must be great being able to do this. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying for too many years now, you know, the guides have yet to get me a date. It's not, oh. it's not date bait doing what I do. Um, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm still waiting. So if you want to put mm. the word out. Right. Um, you know, the funny thing with this is that, you know, what I do, I, I used to tell people, you know, sometimes I'd meet somebody and when I was still teaching in academia, you know, and I had a, a good job in academia, you know, and people say, what do you do? And I'd say, well, I'm a psychic and I teach. And I'd say, oh, what do you teach? <laughs> like the psychic <laughs> thing never happened. And yeah. then I had other people that assumed I was working in some basement in Bleecker Street with a deck of tarot cards and a flashing yeah, right, right. psychic sign, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking spells off people. And that's not my work either. You know, I'm this, I just, do what I do. That's all it yeah. is. So for, I'm, I'm assuming that there's, you know, there, that, that's interesting to somebody out there. We'll find out. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that it is. I just love, yeah, I just think it's really beautiful that you come and, you know, you have this vulnerability by even just accepting and sharing uh, whatever you're channeling in the moment with people. I mean, it to me, I try to put myself, okay, in the shoes of how I would be able to relay that message while all my, you know, inner ego is saying, mm-hmm. everyone's going to think you're, you know, this way, that everyone's going to have yeah. these judgments and to just take myself out of that and say, who cares? Yeah. You know. Well, you know, it's not easy all the time. Yeah. I don't love it when it happens. Um, I can't control it. Um, I do have the choice whether or not to read about it or to, you know, I've learned not to read the comments, you know, and stuff. Yeah, and, you know, it's sure. just why, why do that? But I suspect that's probably true for anybody, sure, uh, you yes. know, and, and part of what I'm doing, I mean, 
I, there was some guy who once, this is years ago, when I was Googling myself, somebody shared a video of me channeling. And, you know, when I channel, I'm talking sometimes a mile a minute, so yeah. fast, like you can barely understand it and repeating everything. Mm -hmm. And I was channeling on my feet in those days. So it was like a rooster with his head cut off, walking in a circle, <laughs> yammering. And somebody said, look at this guy. He's working much too hard to be faking it. And I thought, well, that's great. If I was going to fake mm. it, I'd find a much easier <laughs> system to yeah. do it. You know, it would be, it would be, and I would probably be telling people what they want to hear. Sure. And I can't, you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? I'm not, what, what the stuff that's coming through me isn't rainbows and unicorn stuff. It's yeah, about, yeah. you know, who we truly are and some responsibility to that. It takes a little more work. I think, too, at well, the, what I, I was go just going to say, at the base level, even if, you know, you're a skeptic, which I consider myself a skeptic yeah. to some degree. Uh, I know, Paul, you said you consider yourself a skeptic as well. Yeah. Uh, even if you, you know, consider yourself this skeptic, atheist, agnostic, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, whatever label you want to put on it, what you're saying and what the guides are speaking through you, if, you know, you can feel it resonates truth. Mm -hmm. It's pretty obvious, at least to me. If the person who, who you know, who's listening to this right now isn't receiving that, then fine. But I think that you yeah. can, you are bringing that to light in a way that makes people pay attention. That's mm -hmm. what's pretty cool. Well, you know, the man you. Paul is doing that as well as the guides coming through and obviously helping out in that case. Yeah, and what what uh, really stands out for me is that your words, whether they're through the guides or through you, they're so healing mm -hmm. and they make people feel seen. And that's what everybody's really craving is yeah. healing and to be seen. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful that you shared that with us. And I, I wish this was a week-long podcast episode. <laughs> so last question Thanks for so you, Paul. Where can people find you on the interwebs and yeah. um, the name of your new book and how they can pick it up? Sure. The new book is called The Book of Freedom. It's out November 6th. You can get it. You can pre-order it now on you know Amazon or any of the Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, any of those sites. It's out there. And um, my website is my name. It's Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And um, I do, you know, weekly channelings online on Wednesday nights. So there's information on how to how to join those. And there's a lot of stuff that's just available for people to see. And I do workshops all over the place. So I'll be in Denver fairly shortly and, you mm. know, and the Esalen Institute all over the place. So, you know, people want to sort of work with the guides, there are opportunities to do that as well. Do you think in person it's a more powerful experience that way? What happens in person um, is that you're working with the energy with partners, with other people, and mm -hmm. so you can have your own experience of mm -hmm. it. And I think that's really important. Once you have your own experience of the energy and sort of aligning at that level and sort of being in that broadcast in a way that's physically palpable, that changes everything because then you're in your knowing. You're not saying, well, maybe this is true, maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. When you feel the current of energy working through you and you know it and you're working with a partner who can confirm it, that's what changes things so that's what I really like about about the workshops and you know the guides like to talk so it's always different they're always speaking to what they're teaching mm -hmm. and what they're teaching continues to progress amazing. it's amazing I can't wait for the the following book as well oh uh, 
that one. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, that, that's know. that's coming. That's in August. That's called um, Beyond the Known. They're teaching yes. realization now, so it is exciting stuff. I'm extremely excited. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank, thank you. Thank you for Paul. having me. You're you're very good at this, and you're delightful to speak with. So thank you for having oh, me. You. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. it means the world to us. Ah. Woo. That was that, awesome. That was. I, I definitely feel um, my spirit um, at a higher frequency right now. Like, I definitely feel um, that feeling of right after a big enlightenment, um, like the mornings after a plant medicine ceremony. Um, I feel like I just had a quick one, you know? Yeah. So, I just feel really like. Good. I'm excited to sit with it for a little while. Uh, yeah, I really am excited this. to listen to this episode back probably a few times and kind of got to make another absorb. list <laughs> of all the info we got. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I, I just during the interview with Paul, I I sat back at some point. I don't remember exactly where or what was being said in the moment, but I noted to myself like, "Holy shit, Jade, we're doing this," you know, like. Mm-hmm. We are. That went so much better than I thought it was going to go. Also, <laughs> because this is our first. All of our guests are great. They're yes. all amazing. But this was our first, like, really legit interview where we didn't know the person, yeah. and like we're like kind of shaking beforehand because we're like, okay, how's it's it going to so go? So different, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And it went, it went amazing. But I, I know, um, you know, like I've said before, I meditate before every one, and I ask the universe for a clear message and the clear message today was and and it did happen um do not analyze his words let yeah. your heart listen and let your heart respond and i think it's part of the reason why i'm not remembering everything that yeah. was said is because i'm like i wasn't analyzing it at all i was just feeling it and letting my heart take it all in so now i need to just sit with it yeah, um interesting but now I, I feel like I just had five espresso shots and I'm like, <laughs> what time is it? Where are my children? <laughs> How, what am I going to do the rest of the day? Yeah. Um, Lit up. Do we, do what we, do we uh, have a magic pop question? Yeah. Let's get into the, the rest of the show now. Yeah. So. We can. Right. From <sighs> the magic mob. One of you amazing listeners sent this in. Who is it? Andy H. From Instagram. Uh, I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm just going to go with Andy H. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts and or aliens is what he asks, which <clears throat> makes sense for this episode. Yeah, I am. Um, I think it's naive of us to think that we're the only creatures out here. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's super um, silly of us to think that there are not aliens um plus that, i know the story you gave at the beginning of the show i i would assume you believe in ghosts at least well yeah i'm gonna get into that because that's a longer one <laughs> quick answer is the aliens one also you know when we're when i'm on plant medicine with a group of other people and we're looking at the stars because we'll walk the labyrinth and we'll mm-hmm. be looking up and it's just we'll see something and we're like we know we're all seeing the same thing and the next day we explain it all the same and mm-hmm. the shaman that's there is like yeah that that was a ufo mm-hmm. so I know it sounds weird, but when you're there, there's no doubt, mm. you know? So <clears throat> I definitely believe in those. Um, as far as ghosts, I don't really like the word ghost, but I do believe in spirits and entities, and I have experienced them um, in... Uh, did you see me jump? 
No, why? You um, saw something? No. But need, I forgot I got a dog. <laughs> I was so into the, the episode and everything that's happened. Oh, shit, I thought you saw a spirit ghost. <laughs> um, well, I've only had her a couple days. so. But yeah, so I've, I've experienced, um, especially in this apartment, um, a lot of spiritual activity. I've experienced it my entire life as a kid from the time I saw the grandmother um, as a teenager. And now I will see... So I'll tell a quick story about my bathroom. Please. Um, So my bedroom has the bathroom connected to it. And every now and then I'll see... uh, So... This is going to make me sound crazy, but every now and then I'll see like a flashing red light or a flashing purple light or a flashing like white light. And it's not, doesn't fill the room. It's almost like a a DNA wave or like a frequency wave. Okay. And it's always in my bathroom. Well, I also feel someone hit my bed sometimes, like wake up. And it's like an aggressive, uh, like they want me up. Mm. And so this made me think that there was a negative entity in my apartment um well you know i just was praying and trying to ask them to leave nothing was working going on a year and i finally tell my shaman so what what broke it was i was laying in bed one night and i saw a red a fiery red crab come i hope we don't lose all our listeners after this story (laughs) too late I swear I'm not crazy. Keep going. Fiery red crab crawl out of my bathroom in the air though, and go all the way. And I wasn't scared. I was like, "What the hell is this crab Uh doing?" And I'm wide awake. I sit up. I'm not in paralysis. Paralysis. Sleep Uh paralysis. I'm like sitting up. So the crab goes above my head and then crawls down the back wall. And I thought, "Oh shit!" And I tell two very close friends the next day that I feel, you know, have my best interest at heart because I knew they weren't going to tell me I was yeah. crazy. And, um, you know, they were like, "You something is meant to happen here. These things are happening for a reason. So I tell my shaman, like, I'm beginning to think that I'm freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. Like a red crab floating in the air, as well as the lights. Well, the shaman comes over. I didn't tell him that those were coming out of the bathroom. I just told him in my apartment. Well, he comes, does a blessing, blows some mupacho. Well, he goes in my bathroom a couple times, in and out, in and out. And then he says... <clears throat> Every time I go in there, I forget where I'm at. Uh, there's a portal, and I'm, like, walking through it. And there, so there's a someone, something that happened in this bathroom, opened up a portal for spirits and entities to come in and out. Mm. And he was like, I'm going to do a blessing. I'm going to close the portal. Um, well, after a little while, I start, it conti- you know, things started to continue that were different. And I tell him again, and he just tells me, you know, I think that um, you need to recognize realize that you've got some psychic abilities and you need to go to training to learn how to turn these on and off and to be able to know also what they're meaning and so that's why I signed up for Boulder Psychic Institute and um yeah so to answer your question (laughs) um yeah I do believe in them um I just don't think that they're ghosts um I think that they're you know I don't even think that they're negative they're Mm. just foreign spirits or entities um and I've learned how to um, not fear them. Yeah. So that's the hard yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I go, when it comes to ghosts and aliens, um, 
I'd say I don't believe that anything is not possible. So uh, I wouldn't say those things don't exist in any regard. I would just say that um, I haven't had, I haven't personally had some of the like really in-depth experiences that some of my very close friends have had. But mm-hmm. having listened to some of the things that have happened um, to other people that I'm close with, you know, I've been in the same room when it happened, like asleep, you know, and they woke mm-hmm. up. And um, so I can tell a couple stories of those. My own, my only personal story I have is in this house, actually, I'm sitting in right now, in my bedroom. Uh, actually, I've, this is only when I personally saw, experienced, heard, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh so I was asleep in my bed and Chris was next to me and I had a fan I have like a little fan by my bed and I think I had I think that was the only electronic maybe there might have been like a phone plugged Mm -hmm. in I don't know but in any case and I have two cats okay so cats are very like usually perceptive of these things Mm -hmm. so I I'm dead asleep. All of a sudden, this weird noise, like, I can't remember even what it sounded like now, but it was like a very alien noise. Like, it was not something I'd heard before come out of any of my electronics, anything like that. Um, Kind of like a screech slash buzz electronic, but very loud. And it kind of went, you know, like, squiggled on Mm -hmm. for a while. It woke both Chris and I up, and both of us kind of, like, woke up and were like, it took a few seconds, you know, we're like, what the hell was that noise? So we turn on the light and we're looking around and there's nothing. Chris gets up and he like ex- inspects the whole house, you know. My cats don't seem super disturbed, though. They're kind of like up with us, but they weren't like mm-hmm. ran out of the room or anything. So, but it was a weird enough noise that both of us were like, woke up. That yeah. was weird. And I was like, you're sleeping on that side of the bed now. <laughs> and I made him sleep on that side for like the next two weeks. And then I got over it. But yeah, so that type of things happen. And it's weird because when both, when like you and another person witness it and you yeah, both and have the, the feeling, energy you feel. Yeah. It's not even the sound, it's the. Totally, because we hear sounds all the time. I, it was more of like some shit was not right. That wasn't the mm-hmm. normal. And we both thought it, saw, you know, felt it all or whatever at the same time. Yeah. Um, but one, my other story is that if you, you had something to say, what are we going to get into? Nope. Oh, my other story was that you had a look on your face like, hold on. Um, when I was much younger, my best friend who, um, so we used to hang out at her cousin's house all the time. Her cousin's dad had committed suicide when they were much younger kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my best friend, uh, sh- her name was Leslie. She didn't know her uncle very well but she knew about obviously the suicide and uh those things and so one night we're asleep on the couches at her cousin's house and i'm asleep oh god it's so long ago now i don't even remember was i there was i in the room how did it work out but anyway i'm gonna go with it um from what i remember i was asleep on one couch she was asleep on the other and it might have been her and her cousin were asleep in the, the living room on the couches. I can't remember. Was it Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, God, it's you know so long what ago. Year? It was my brain don't work. That's but that's not was. really the basis of the story here. Anyway, they're asleep on the couches. She tells me this story that the 
I don't know what woke her up, but basically she woke up like middle of the early, early morning, you know, maybe 2 mm-hmm. or 3 a.m., whatever it was. And she she woke up for whatever reason, calmly at first, but she kind of opened her eyes and she saw someone um, sitting over on her cousin. Those are the uh, things I don't like on the couch where her cousin was sleeping, like mm-hmm. sitting near him. Right. And she's like, who the fuck is that? And she yeah. looks closer and it's his dad, you know, the her mm-hmm. uncle who had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And she was spooked, dude. Those are the story. Those she- are the things I don't like. Well, then she's like, okay, wow. You know, this is crazy. And she's like, what do I do to... She's so scared. So she's like, okay, I'm going to... She like literally put the blanket over her head. She's so scared. This is what usually people do when they see something, right? Yeah. They put the blanket over their head. They just don't want to see it. And then she she creeped down off the couch. Still, He's still sitting there. She can plainly see him sitting there. She creeped down off the couch, crawled around behind the couch and underneath the pool table that was behind the couch and literally stayed there the rest of the night until it got light again and everyone started waking up just afraid to look, essentially. But she was so, like, moved and, you know, had... She was spooked by that Mm -hmm. to such a degree that that story obviously still sticks with me and it made an imprint... Uh, on her for sure and it definitely has on me so I don't think that uh, that there isn't anything out there I think we're living in a universe with multiple you know infinite parallel dimensions dimensions and yeah all kinds of stuff going on that we have no way of comprehending with these little human brains and that includes aliens Um, aliens I feel like it's ridiculous when people say that they don't believe in aliens the thing is yeah, scientifically, we haven't discovered one or, you know, any micro. As far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know. But we're just this tiny little speck in an infinite universe, mm-hmm. as we know. So if there is no known end to the universe, there must be no known end to the amount of potential possibilities out there, including yeah. how many different alien species and planets there are. Mm-hmm. So sorry for that long story. Well, but. no, that story uh, about the 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 dad in the chair i'm so glad that we recorded this during the day and not the night because even even Uh. with these um abilities that come sometimes it's still i don't like stories like that um but that actually goes into my magic magic trick it's that time again (laughs) so my magic trick is just to know that you are more powerful than any entity so to never feel fear in the presence of one, they actually envy you because you have a body and they are seeking something from you if they're sticking around, uh, maybe maybe a healing of some sort. So there is no reason for you to fear any activity. Uh, there is no good, like I said, there's no good or bad energy or entity. It's just foreign and out of place. Mm. Um, the entity or spirit you may be sensing is not there to hurt you also. Um, And the more present and in your body that you are, the more control and peace you will have over that situation. So just know that you have power and you can command what you would like to happen. Um, Mm. Because you have a body. It gives you Because you have a body and they don't. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, they can't hurt you. Um, You just need to be able to stand in that, stand in that um, confidence. And that unknown. Because when you feel fear is when, you know, 
all havoc all well yeah your mind your mind takes over and you're just you're you're not in your body you're you're in fear you know so what about you though that's comforting so i'll try to remember that um (laughs) but still i get scared by scary movies and stuff like i i'm like i don't need to put that in my head because it's like i don't watch them well it's the opposite of what you're saying basically it's like all this other shit the unknown has all this power over you that's hollywood movies first of all and but also secondly i don't like to I don't even like to watch that stuff because I don't like to put that energy into my home. Like speaking of entities and spirits, like they're all like our TV is a portal to that stuff. You know, yeah. like the music we listen to where, you know, we to a degree control what we allow, you know, in our homes and around us by what we listen to, watch and invite in. So, but what what's your magic your trick? My magic trick is how to quit smoking. Mm. And what it's you 2018 gotta, people, that's yeah, all you need to know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> what you got to do, all you got to do is very simple. You just have to channel beings from another realm who really need your body to be as clear as possible in order for you to continue receiving their messages of peace. That's it. Just all you have to do is become a clairvoyant medium. Like uh, Paul did. That's how he got. That's how he stopped smoking. No, I'm just kidding. That's not. You're probably not gonna. That's probably not how it's gonna work out for you. But um, Paul was like, yeah. Paul. Paul actually. He didn't mention it in today's podcast. I know, but uh, he has talked a lot about how he quit smoking. He used to be like, I don't know. He said like a 12 pack a day or some some insane amount of cigarettes. He was just chain smoking it up. Um, back in the day and he became a clairvoyant and you know sometime into doing that the spirit guides um the guides told him that he needed to clean up his act when it came to smoking and basically said if you continue smoking we can no longer channel through you because we need you know a, a very um clean clear person to do our work through so he kicked it that's pretty intense man uh no so my magic trick though all that said and by the way please please find a way to stop smoking if you're a smoker because we love you so much and we want you guys to be around forever and ever and ever uh so one little tip that can help is my magic trick which is to add oxygen to your bedroom I'm always coming with the most random magic tricks my bad but I hope you guys enjoy them <laughs> now they're helpful okay uh to add oxygen to your bedroom by getting a snake plant or two and putting you it by your bed. like that? Like that. Hi, puppy. Jade's got a couple snake plants in her bedroom. She knows what's Daisy, up. Daisy, move out of the way. Daisy. Okay. You see one over there and one right there? I, I see love them. They're cheap, too. And they're I, easy to keep alive. You don't even really have to water much, them. right? So, perfect for me. That is, you're setting such a good example right now, Jade. (laughs) So the reason that snake plants are the jammy jam when it comes to adding um, oxygen to your space is, like Jade said, they um, are super easy to take care of. They only need very, very little light in order to make photosynthesis. Uh, They remove toxins from the air. You could be in a completely like air sealed room, and if you have six of these bad boys, these plants, uh, it would keep one person alive via it's the oxygen it pro- produces. 
Isn't that wow. crazy? I know, right? That's that is crazy. Intense. So these things. I love that. I feel like we always are. Um, I know I do. I like hermetically seal my house up sometimes. I happen to live in Southern California, so there's a good breeze most of the year. So I get a little more oxygen maybe in my house from the outdoors than most. Um, but people who live in colder, hot, you know, extreme, more extreme temperatures and go through all the seasons probably live in a more hermetically sealed environment a lot of the time where they're not letting the fresh air in. There's, Me. Yeah, they're breathing I, I in. I can't. There's so many toxins. It's 100 in degrees our, and there's so many mosquitoes. It's, yeah, it's you frustrating. Can't. So get more snake plants. At least you got a couple started your journey. I'm like, I'm going to move to California with my snake plants. There you go. (laughs) Or do that. Come on over. We got plenty of room. No, we don't. (laughs) Um. (laughs) More room than we have here right now. All right. Okay, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope we were a light in your day and that you enjoyed that wisdom from Paul. Mm -hmm. I'm still decompressing a little bit, so... Mm -hmm. Um, don't forget Paul's new book is available for pre-order and anyone who pre-orders and fills out the simple form at the link on our Instagram page will get the first chapter delivered immediately and will also be given access to a free live stream teaching and Q&A with Paul on publication day, which is November 6th. We're always here for you and we'd love to hear from you guys. Any feedback would be amazing. So please leave us a review on iTunes. This is so important because it lets iTunes know that it's valuable and then they feature it so that others will find it and that further spreads sunshine. So talk to you guys next week. Until then, be a light. Thank you to at Raytone Royal for our intro jam and Adam from Red Fox Audio for producing the show. Couldn't do without you boys. Thank you. Stay magical, friends. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys, you know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck-ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves. This program is a Red Fox audio production.